in uh, Beaumont, Texas. Just a little hot, but uh, it's okay. This is summertime, right? Amen. How many know where Slovakia is in the world? Okay, great. Well, just let me tell you just real quickly. Uh, sometimes people think we're in Russia. We're not quite that far. It's still about 3,000 miles past where we live, but we're in Central Europe, and we're surrounded by five countries, Ukraine to our east, so we're neighboring to Ukraine, and south of us is Hungary, to the west of us is Austria, to the northwest of us is Czech Republic, and also due north of us is uh, Poland. So that kind of gives you an idea where we are in the world, and we're just a little landlocked country there with about five and a half million people. But God is pouring His Spirit out there. Amen? Europe is one of the darkest continents in the world, but God is doing something among the gypsy people that we work with there in Slovakia. And we're just honored to be able to be there. This makes almost our 16th year. We're into our 16th year as missionaries. And uh, God is honoring that work, and we're seeing God pour out His Spirit there. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But uh, we're so glad to be here today with you. And Feel the presence of the Lord. I believe God's trying to convince someone that Jesus is important in your life. Amen? Uh, that name has been talked about, sung about, mentioned today and this morning. Our job as the church, as missionaries, as individuals, is trying to get people to bow to that name on this side of eternity, right? Amen. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus, amen, is Lord. And so we're trying to get people to do that on this side because if you don't, You'll have to bow, but it's not going to be the way you want to. Amen. And so uh, we're glad to be able to be a part of that. We're so glad we're working for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm going to say much more. My wife's going to come back in just a moment, speak a little bit more about our country and what we're doing. I want you to see a video, though. It kind of gives you an idea about the people we work with in Slovakia. We work with the people called Roma people. Anybody ever heard of the Roma people? Okay. Uh, they're not very well known in the States, so in the States we use the word gypsy. It's a slang term to them. Uh, it's kind of a derogatory term. We don't use it on the field, but in the States, more of you are acquainted with the word gypsy. And so we work with the gypsies, uh, the Roma people in Slovakia. I just want you to see kind of what we're doing with them over there. Historians tell us that the Roma people came from northern India and they began to migrate into Europe through Turkey up into uh, Central Europe uh, about a thousand years ago. As they began to come into Europe, they began to face opposition and many difficult uh, struggles as they began to settle out through Europe. But as years progressed and as history began to unfold, as we know, uh, then came the different wars that happened in Europe and with that came as we know World War II and the Nazi regime began to take over all of Central Europe. They began to bring persecution not only to the Jewish people but also to the gypsies. Uh, when the Nazi regime left then on the hills of that came the communist regime. The communists then began to raise what we call the Iron Curtain and for about 50 years, the gypsies were stopped at this point from moving anymore throughout Europe. And they settled in Slovakia and began to have communities. They had uh, shanties and projects that they were forced into 
uh, and no longer able to move around and so they begin to settle in almost 700 villages in Slovakia. There are people without a country, there are people without uh, a nationality. Um, they are marginalized, as I said, uh, living on the outskirts of most cities and only live by a stipend from the government every month. Uh, many of them, the reason why they beg and borrow and steal is because about halfway through the month their money runs out and so they have nothing to feed their children and so they have to find food somewhere. The only thing that we're beginning to see that's changing this whole cultural problem is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God into salvation. It's the only thing that has the power to change a life that's been stuck in a cultural rut for thousands of years. Even a, a mayor of one of the villages said, uh, the only thing that we're seeing that's making a difference among the Roma is the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, the gospel is making a difference. An uh, official at Bratislava, one of the government officials, also mentioned that the only thing he's seen that's changed the Roman people is Christianity and the work of Christ. Uh, so we can see that the gospel is power. It's able to transform the life of people who are bound by sin. And what was such darkness, and still is much darkness in the region, light has sprung up. And now we're seeing uh, life-changing situations in many of these villages. There's much work to be done, but we've already seen God do tremendous work already in the lives of these people. Our goal is to continue to help plant churches among the gypsies. Um, since this revival has started, hundreds are coming to Christ uh, in different villages. And so they're needing uh, pastors, they're needing church buildings. And that's where our heart's at, is to try to be a facilitator, someone that can help uh, provide them a place to worship and also bring people alongside us who can help train and to mature and disciple them to become mature people of Jesus Christ. We really believe that one of the biggest changes that will happen in the culture of the Roma will start with the next generation. Another thing that we're focusing on is also trying to invest more in the young people. We started youth camps three years ago and we're having several hundred youth be able to come and uh, they're coming out sometimes the first time ever getting to get out of their village and go to another place to stay for a week. But we provide them housing and food and many of them have never been able to eat three meals a day. Uh, it's just amazing to see uh, excitement in their, in their eyes and to see them come to Christ and then go back into their villages and change the youth and also change their village through the youth. And so we believe that the next generation uh, is what we need to invest more in so we can see the whole uh, Roma culture begin to shift more and more to Christ. So our goal is to bring the gospel and then the gospel does the work. Uh, Christ will do the transforming. He will do the changing. Uh, he's just called us to go in love and to share our life with others. I believe with all my heart that a people that's been ostracized, marginalized, and the poorest of poor in Europe God's going to use these very people to bring revival to all of Europe. Uh, he uses the weak to confound the strong. He uses sometimes the simple to confound the wise. Sometimes he uses the poor to confound the rich. And so I believe that God can use these 
this people group called the Roma people to make a difference in Europe and even in the world. And we would love for you to partner with us to help us see that difference come about in Europe. Praise the Lord. How many would like to go to Slovakia with us? I see a few hands out there. Praise the Lord. We're thankful for the country that God has called us to. We're also thankful for you allowing us to be here to share about that country that God has called us to. Some people ask me many, many times, how do you know God's calling you to be a missionary? Well, it starts with a divided heart. One side of your heart is for your homeland. How many loves America? We love America? Amen. We love the United States and our freedom that we still have. We hope we continue to have. But there's another side of your heart as a missionary that when God calls you to another country and he drops that in your heart, your heart becomes divided. And always within your heart, you still love your home. But the other side, it just keeps calling you to where he wants you to go. And that's when you have to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. Amen. So we said yes to that call. We landed in Slovakia, and <clears throat> Slovakia is called Europe's best kept secret. And the reason they say that is because it's so small, but it's so beautiful that hardly anybody knows about it. So it's a secret, but it is beautiful. But we say we found something even more beautiful while we were there, and that was the gypsy people. A people that's hated and ostracized, marginalized. And as you saw, they are literally cast out. They don't like to integrate them. So they wouldn't want them in the uh, city proper here of Beaumont, but they'd push them out. Many uh, places put walls around them. They can come out when they want, come and go, but they don't want to see them. So they try to keep them outside the, the city limits because um, it is poverty-stricken, and it is like their villages are actually like a waste field or a landfill. That's how sad it is and how dirty it is. But God loves them too, right? <clears throat> and the gospel's coming to them. We are now in over 20-year revival among the gypsy people. Amen. And you know what's happening? The government is saying, hey, what's going on here? These people are changing, and we've tried everything to change them. What's happening? And one of our senior pastors, gypsy pastor, says, because you're doing it the wrong way. You're trying to change them here. And you're giving them this and giving them that, but that's not what's going to change them. It's when Jesus Christ comes into their hearts, and then they're changed, both in their mind, their soul, and their spirit, and everything that they do. And that's what they're seeing. And so those other uh, villages and those other mayors are saying, can you bring those pastors into our cities so they'll change our gypsies? So God has opened amazing doors for us, and we're thankful for that. So we, we kind of focus on about... Uh, four different things, a holistic um, approach to missions. First of all, we go into uh, uh, villages and with a, usually a Roma national or pastor, and we just start sharing the gospel. And they just start gathering out into their villages. And soon there'll be a cell group started right there because they'll come to Christ. And when mom or dad comes to Christ and grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle and the children just all follow through because they are a clansman. And so what they do is a community just dominoes. And so that's a good thing, spreading the gospel there. Amen? So we do church planting. Next, then we uh, help with building uh, 
churches. We have construction teams over the last several years. We had about 35 construction teams to come and help plant churches because we have so many getting saved so quickly. We need a place for them to be trained, to be taught, and to be worshiped. And we did have School of Christ come, and uh, God really, really did amazing things among some gypsy pastors through School of Christ, so we're thankful for that. Thirdly, something that we do is compassion ministries. If you have heard that we live right next door to Ukraine, we're only about 50 kilometers from the Ukrainian border. So when the war started, we had many refugees to flood in. We had a lot of Roma refugees, gypsies to flood in, um, but nobody else wanted them. The other countries, they didn't want the gypsies in their country, whether they were refugees or not. So we began to, our national Roma pastors began to open their churches go to the border and let them get on buses that we had rent because the uh, other buses that were provided by the government or whatever country, they didn't let the gypsies on. So we started, our churches started helping get the gypsies out of Ukraine, Ukraine too. And so we, did a, we do a lot of compassions, not just with uh, the gypsies that we constantly have to provide some food or shelter or clothing to them, but we also help the refugees. There's, that's still ongoing. We don't have as many flooding into Slovakia because we're a poor country and they want to go somewhere where they can get something like Poland or UK or Germany. So we don't have as many coming into Slovakia, but we praise God for the ones some seeds were planted into their lives during their exit from Ukraine. Another thing that we do is children's ministry. As I said, so many is coming to Christ um, that we need someone to help teach the children, but not only the children. The women need to be taught to teach the children. Most of them have not been educated. They've quit school, maybe sixth, seventh, eighth grade. They don't know how to read or write, so I teach and train the women to teach and train the children, and then we also train the children. We could go in to have a children's ministry and <clears throat> in about a 12 by 12, 12 by 15 room. Uh, we can smash like 75 to 100 children in there <laughs> because they're just coming and they all want to be a part. And you have to remember that there's nothing else the gypsies get to participate in. With segregation and all that going on, there's not like, you know, after school programs with soccer and football and music. And the gypsies don't have these opportunities. So when you come there and you have something some puppets or a story, they just flood in there. So when we just pack 75 to 100 children in a small room and you begin to tell them about a man that was swallowed by a fish, their eyes are really watching you then. Because we're talking about undisciplined and no boundaries for children that just roam the streets from the time they're two on. When you start telling them about a, a, a little boy that picked up a a rock and threw it and smacked a giant in the head and he fell out dead, then you're really getting some attention from these children. And you know what? They become the evangelist. They go home to about the same size home, a 12 by 12, maybe 15 by 15, where anywhere from 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way up to 19 people might live in. And those children go there. And there's their grandma and grandpa, as I said, and the whole family. And they begin to tell their stories that they heard. And then more come to Jesus Christ. So God has so many ways to reach people for the kingdom. Amen. So we want to say thank you for allowing us to be here and share our part. One last thing, when we were sharing in a church, and um, I was sharing all these needs about the Roma, 
A woman came to me and she said, the Spirit spoke to me to tell you that when you get there, you're going to be so overwhelmed because there's so many needs. You're not going to be able to feed all those children. You're not going to be able to clothe all those people. You're not going to be able to keep all those people warm. But there is one thing you can do. She said, the Spirit told me to tell you, just go there and love them. Love them like Jesus would love them. And that's what we're trying to do. We're going there and we're loving on those people and doing what we can to help them holistically. And God has opened us many, many doors. As a pastor's already been saying, the Beam family, the Beam family, you see there's only two of us here now. We do have five children. They're all married now. Ten children, 11th went, uh, ten grandchildren, 11th went on the way. And the reason I'm saying that is because God opened such a big door to us. Our youngest daughter married a Roman gypsy. And so we now um, have a little gypsy baby, grandbaby. <laughs> and when, you, when they know that, when we go to the villages and they find that out, and they know that we, what they call the white people is what they call us, <laughs> gave their daughter to them, then it even opens more to share with them the love of Jesus because they see love in that. They see love in that. And I'm thankful that wherever we go, wherever you go, if you can shine, just show the love of Jesus, it changes people. Sometimes without saying a word, just showing the love, it's what changes people. And I'm thankful for what God is doing among the Roma people and thankful for your congregation this morning. Amen. Man, God is good. We were there just about a month ago uh, doing a youth camp that we were talking about and uh, saw a number of youth really seeking God and getting changed. I was able to preach in the national church, and after I preached, they baptized 60 new converts that day. The Sunday before, they baptized 70. Last year, we were working in that church, they baptized over 200 new converts. And so when we talk about a revival, uh, we're talking about a real revival. Just a short testimony before we get in the Word of God. Turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll go right there in a moment. But uh, just to see that people's really being transformed, and it's not just an emotional swift. We were in a uh, village some time ago and having a Bible study there one night. The house was so small, I had to kind of stand like this because the roof was so little. And I'm so tall. And, uh, but the guy shared, the guy that owned the house shared, he stole everything. He's gypsy. He stole everything that wasn't welded down is what he said. He testified. If it wasn't welded, he said, I stole it. That's their reputation before they get saved. That same man was so transformed, he got a job with the city, and the mayor gave him the keys to the entire city. Every door, every place that they had to oversee, he was overseeing it. That's the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so God is transforming abusive husbands, making them men of God now, and pastors, alcoholics, gamblers. Oh, there's sin in Slovakia. Amen? They don't worship Jesus. They worship Jesus. But it's the same person. Amen? Jesus is the word they use for Jesus there. And they believe in him because he's able to transform their lives. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Smith and Sister Smith, for accommodating us. Beautiful hotel last night and just your kindness. I felt a very warm welcoming when we came this morning. And so we're grateful 
thankful for the Spirit of God we felt here this morning. Just want to speak to you for just a moment from Romans chapter 1 and verse number 1. I'm just going to read just a few words, maybe about six words out of this text. Romans 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called. That's all I want to use this morning. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called. God bless you as you're seated this morning. Amen. I just want to talk to you a few moments this morning uh, about tithing. No, this is a mission service. So we want to talk this morning about missions and about receiving the call. So I just want to challenge you this morning on catching your call. Catching your call. A young farmer was standing in the middle of his farm out in the field one day working. He looks up into the sky and he begins to see it looks like clouds begin to form over him. And it formed three different clouds. And those clouds uh, seemed to be forming the letters G, P, and C. And the more he looked at those clouds and saw this phenomenon taking place, he said, man, this must be something divine. God must be doing something, speaking to me. GPC must mean go preach Christ. He was so excited, he went to the church, asked the elders, said, listen, guys, I was at the farm. God showed me this revelation. GPC, go preach Christ. I believe God's calling me to preach. And so they were so excited for him. They said, okay, next Sunday you come and fill the pulpit and preach to us. That Sunday come around, he come to the pulpit and preached. It was horrible. He preached so long, it didn't make sense. The sermon was just a debacle. Everyone sitting there and stunned us, just wondering what in the world's going to happen next. When he was finished, everybody's just quiet. Finally, one of the elders in the church spoke up and said, Son, uh, listen, I, I know you got those letters, GPC, and you thought that was maybe going to God talking to you about go preach Christ. But he said, I really believe those three letters mean go plant corn. Amen. Uh, we all get a call in life. Amen. Some of us are called to plant corn. Some of us are called to preach Christ. Amen. But God has called all of us. He's put a call in our life. He's wanting us. He has a plan and a purpose for each of us in this, uh, this room this morning. Uh, many times as we travel through the country, people ask us, how did you end up in Slovakia? And that's a common question that people ask missionaries. It all started for me when I was 12 years old in a Sunday school class in southern Missouri. I was sitting there that morning about 12 years old, and the teacher began to teach the class. He stopped about five minutes into the class and he said I just feel an unction of the Holy Spirit I want to stop because I believe God's calling someone in the ministry in this class right now and so he just kind of stopped the class gave us a little bit of an idea about what it means to hear the voice of God listen to the call of God and the voice of God in our lives and he just paused the class and he prayed a simple prayer and we all sat there listening to the voice of God I don't know if anybody else in that class this morning heard anything, felt anything, experienced anything. Amen. But that morning, I felt the voice of God calling my heart. Amen. It wasn't an utterance out of heaven. It wasn't some kind of a lightning bolt or a thunder clacking. But that day, I felt a tap of God on my shoulder. Amen. That was 42 years ago, brothers and sisters, that God called that 12-year-old boy in West Plains, Missouri. And that call has took me around the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. God has used me through that call. And I want to tell you that call has brought me to Beaumont, Texas this morning. Amen. Let me tell you, God has a place for you. He has a plan for you, a call for your life if you're willing to catch the call. 
and listen to what God has to say in your life. It's the concept of the call is one of the most profound biblical ideas in the scriptures. The Bible's filled with stories of God calling men and women just like you and I. But those ordinary people were willing to say yes to God. And God, because of that, They went on to do great things for the kingdom of God. It's exciting to read about people like Noah who was called to build the ark and to save his family, entire human race. Amen. Abraham was called to leave his family and to be the father of a great nation. Moses was called to lead the biggest exodus in the world and lead people towards the promised land. Esther was called to come to the kingdom for such a time to spare the life of her own people. What about the Joshuas and the Jonas and the Jeremiahs, the Isaiahs, the Amoses, the Deborahs, the Peters, the Pauls, and the Priscillas, and so many more in the scriptures that were called? These people, amen, were willing to say yes to God. And because they were... They changed their world. They changed their generation for the cause of Christ. And this morning, I'm preaching to you because I believe people in this very church this morning, God can use you if you find your place in Him to change your generation for Him. Amen. Amen. I want to say to you this morning that the call of God is is a bittersweet thing. Can you say amen, Pastor? (laughs) It's bittersweet. Sometimes you're on the mountain. And sometimes you're below the mountain, or the mountain's on top of you. Amen. The call of God is so bittersweet. Sometimes you can be like Elijah on Mount Carmel, and you can see the glory of God. And 17 words in your prayer, the fire of God falls down, consumes the sacrifice, and you destroy the powers of Satan, and God is God among the people. There's those times. There's those times when David can come back from the war, and the women of Israel meet him at the gate and said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. They worship and honor and and glorified the king. Amen. He was on a mountain at that time. There was glorious times, but you also find Elijah just a few days later when Jezebel's trying to kill him. He finds himself in a cave wondering if he's the only man still serving Jesus Christ. Only one that serves God. And God had revealed himself in the cave to Elijah. David found himself saying all these things good about him, but you also find him in the caves of Adullam. Amen. Running from King Saul for his life. Almost 15 years trying to find his place in the world. It's a bittersweet. Amen. There's times when God calls you and he ministers to you and he wants to use you. He'll take you through some of the toughest battles. You'll face the heat of the enemy like you've never imagined. Times of darkness and obstacles that seem insurmountable. But that same call that took you into that will also bring you out the other side. Amen? It sure will. Brother Branham at OBI at the Bible school had a saying, God will pull you through if you can stand the pull. Amen? We've got to hold on to God even in those times. Noah, I mentioned him a moment ago. For 120 years, he preached righteousness and he built the ark. People probably heckled him and made fun of him and mocked what he was doing. But he stayed with a call and it preserved his life and the family, his own family. Nehemiah was called to build the wall. Amen? The walls of Jerusalem. Build them back after they'd been destroyed. Nehemiah worked with one hand and he fought 
fought with another, but they completed the wall because God was with them. I mean, the very call that took Daniel into the lion's den was the same call that stopped the mouths of the lions. Amen. I'm just trying to encourage you this morning. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life, and sometimes it's painful in that call, but you got to catch the call. Amen. And be obedient to the voice of God, and great things will happen in your life. Back in 1992, my wife and I were called for the first time. We felt a real urgent call to go to Springfield, Missouri to plant a church. There we went with eight people in a little uh, boys club. We started a church one Sunday morning and we began to reach out to people and for a year and a half never saw one single convert. And it was very tough. Sometimes preaching only to a handful of people. But God had called us there. And I told God one time as I drove through Springfield, Missouri in my car, pouring down rain. I said, God, I don't care what they smell like. I don't care what they look like. I don't care where they come from. If you'll bring them to our church, we will love them into the kingdom of God. And before long, God began to bring the alcoholics. And he began to bring the drug addicts. And he began to bring uh, different people that were broken homes and dysfunctional families. All kinds of chaos in their life and God said, here they are. Amen. And we begin to love on those people. Can I tell you something? Amen. There was discouraging times. There was times of high and times of low. But we knew we were there where we were supposed to be. You know why? Because God called us there. And we were able to make it through those times and build a church because the call came to our life. After we were there about 10 years, I woke up one morning after I'd went to Germany and spoke in a some outdoor meetings, spoke in a church there, a new church plant in Weisswasser, Germany. And um, I woke up one morning about 3 o'clock in the morning. I had a really shaking dream in my life. And I'm not a guy that has dreams and all those kind of things. I'm not trying to tell you. I'm some spiritual guy like that. But that morning was something different. I saw that very church that I'd preached in three years earlier, just like I saw on the day I was there. And I knew something was different. And for about three or four days as I worked throughout the day, I could not shake this. And I told my wife finally, I said, something's happening. And I didn't realize it then, but it was another call that God was given to our heart. We thought we'd be pastors in Springfield our entire life. We loved what we were doing. But there was another call God began to put on our heart, and that was missions. And we both, as we began to seek God, God began to open doors and I went back on another mission trip in 2007 to the Czech Republic. And while I was walking down the sidewalk in Colleen, Czech Republic, God spoke to me again and said, I want you to come to this part of the world. Today now we've been 16 years in Slovakia. And we know we're supposed to be there. When we first come to Slovakia, we went to Bratislava. That's the capital city of Slovakia. And we started an international English-speaking church there with a national church. That's what they asked us to do when we first come. And so we did that. We planted a church there, but it was a dark night of the soul. It was a time where my wife didn't have anything to do because women don't serve much in the church at all. And so she would stay at home, and I would go to the office and meet with pastors and prepare sermons and work and do ministry while she was at home. Uh, wondering what was going to happen. What are we supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And, and it was a dark night. I'd come home from work at the office and my wife would be curled up in the bed for several days just crying. And she'd say, John, what are we doing here? 
What are we, what are we doing in this country? Why, why, isn't I, why aren't I doing anything? Why, why isn't there anything for me to do? And she was burdened and darkness and depressed. And, and I took her in my arms and I said, listen, Darlena, I mean, I know it's dark now, but the sun's going to shine for us one day. Amen. We're going to find our place in this country. And as we begin to look through the country, God began to show us the gypsy people. And we saw the, the squalor and the problems and the needs. And we knew this is why God had called us to the country. Amen. I'm I want to tell you something. It was a dark night for our soul. We couldn't feel God. We couldn't reach God. We couldn't touch God. It was, it was a time where it seemed like God was a million miles away, but He was getting us ready for something great. Amen. Today, my wife's got so much work, she can't hardly keep her head above water. Amen. Loving on baby gypsy kids. Loving on mamas and daddies and sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, there are some highs and some lows, but the call will bring you through it all. Amen. If you'll keep your heart... Focused on God. Keep your hand in the hand of God. God has a plan for you. And this morning, I want to challenge you to catch your call. What I've shared with you over just the last few minutes about our life and our journey is what I call a call story. I mean, it's our call story. It's some of the times that God has spoke to us and led us in the direction that he's brought us to today. Amen. Every person who's called, your pastor could vouch for this, has a call story, has a journey of times where God whispers to you and he speaks to you and he reveals himself to you. Amen. In your journey through life. And that leads you on the course that you're supposed to go in your life. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and you're searching for God. You know there's something in your heart that God wants you to do. And he's got a plan for you and a purpose in your life, but you're searching through the fog, trying to find your way. Keep going forward. Amen. Keep going forward. God is developing a call story in your life. You may have doubts. You may have problems. And you may have setbacks and have disease and problems. Those are all a part of the story. Let God write that in your life. Amen. And just stay faithful. Remain faithful to him in your life. Man, I want to challenge you this morning. The call is so important. And as we go all through the country, we rolled almost 30,000 miles this year, starting in January, going from churches. We just came back from 19 days in California, driving through there, preaching in churches. And I've gone all kinds of churches, brothers and sisters. And I want to tell you something. We're losing the call of God in our churches and individuals. In our universities, in our Bible schools and seminaries, used to have people that would come and say, I'm coming here because I want to study the Word because God has called me to the ministry. Now, a lot of people's coming saying, I'm just going to try this school out for a little bit and see if I want to be in the ministry or if I want to go into secular world. The problem is not the call of God calling us. It's us listening to that voice. We're losing that. We've got to be sensitive to the voice of God because God is calling in this world. Matter of fact, he says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into the harvest. He's looking for people to work. Listen, brothers and sisters, we have so many gypsy people who are getting saved and pastors who are just overwhelmed by hundreds of people coming in and getting saved and needing discipled and stuff. And there's not enough labors. There's not enough labors, and we're finding fruit is falling to the ground. 
Amen. That's the way it is, not just in Slovakia, but I believe it's happening around the world. God's looking for laborers. I'm not calling you this morning to be a missionary across the seas. I'm calling you to be in your own community. Be a laborer for God. Be a servant of God. Catch the call for God. You may be here this morning, a local school teacher, a contractor. You may be a clerk or farmer. You may be a wife or a mother. You may be a postal worker. God may call you to work with children. God may call you to work with women. God may call you to work with men or young people. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. Recommit your heart this morning and say, God, I don't know really where you want me to be or what you want me to do, but I feel something in my heart. I know you're drawing me and calling me. Talk to your pastor and say, what can I do? I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm opening my heart to the call of God. I'm saying yes to God. As I conclude this morning, let me just say real quickly three things to you. Your call is so important because number one, your call has a reach. Your call has a reach. Everybody say reach this morning. Take your hand and reach out there like, yeah. Your call has a reach. God will call you to people that you can reach that I'll never know. There'll be people across your path. Your pastor will never, never see them or know them. But they're going to come across your path, and it's your responsibility to reach them. That's why God calls us, because all of us have our own reach. He wants us to reach. Some of us will reach across the seas. Some will reach across the street. Some of you will reach around the corner, while others will reach around the world. We all have a reach for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's 6,000 people groups in the world today. Listen to this. 6,000 people groups. And in that 6,000 people groups, over 2 billion people live in those 6,000 people groups. You know what they're called today? They're called unreached people. Over 2 billion people or more in the world have never heard the name of Jesus Christ one time. And they're in America. And we have a responsibility to tell them the Bible says in Romans 10, how can they call on one they don't believe in? That's one question. He goes to the next question. How can they believe in one whom they've never heard? How can they hear without being called or sent? And how can anyone preach unless they've called? So someone's waiting now for you. Someone's waiting to hear, or they're not going to hear unless you tell them. The second reason this morning for your call is because your call has a reason. It don't only have a reach, it has a reason. And what is that reason? It's because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners unless Jesus Christ comes in our lives. The world is lost without God. And so that's the reason why we go. That's the reason why we leave our grandchildren and our parents, aging parents behind, and our family and our own children. That's the reason we feel compelled to go. It's because there is a reason. We've got 7, 7, over 700 villages in Slovakia that we've never even touched with the gospel. We go into villages that have never heard the gospel yet one time in Europe. Never. That's the reason. And today, God's calling you. He has a place, a plan, a purpose for your life. That's the reason why He's calling you is because there's people waiting for you to tell them the good news we all have to open our hearts to God's call. And the last of all, the call needs a response. It has a reach, it has a reason, and it requires a response from all of us. While hanging on the cross, Jesus said, it is what? It's finished. What was he saying in that? He's saying, I was called by the Father to come to the earth. 
and to give my life as a ransom for all mankind. He said, I came, I did that. I didn't come to be served, I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for all. And he said, when he's hanging on the cross, it's finished. What he was saying is, I had a call, and I finished that call. Paul, in his deathbed, he's getting ready to face the guillotine, getting ready to give his life for his purpose in the world. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Paul told us again, just like Jesus said, I had one purpose to come to this earth, and that's to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He said, I'm at the end of my race. I finished my course. I did what I was called to do. One day, you're going to face judgment, brothers and sisters. We're going to face eternity. Some of you may stand right, lay right here in a casket one day, and Pastor Smith look over your body. Wouldn't it be wonderful he can look over your body and say, these people finished their course. They came to this world with a purpose. They came into this world. They lived with a, with a purpose in their life. They changed people. They affected the change in lives of other people's lives. And now they lay before us. And I can say with confidence, they finished their course. They kept the faith. Amen. Oh, can I challenge you this morning to hear the voice of God, the calling of God in your life. Let God write a call story. I see some of you young people here sitting there this morning listening to me. Amen. This is a great time to start your life on the right side. Give your life to Christ. Say, God, I give you everything. I, over, I offer myself completely to you. Take me now and use me for your glory and for your purpose. There's nothing extraordinary about people like Moses, Noah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all these people. They're just ordinary people. They wore clothes like us. Maybe not just like us, but they wore clothes they dressed, they fed themselves like us. They went through life, they had experiences, ups and downs, they had problems. A lot of them went through difficulties in their life. But the thing that made them great people is because when God spoke to them and called them, like Isaiah, he said, here am I. Lord, send me. He answered the call. And God took ordinary men, and because they said yes, he made extraordinary people out of them. I want to leave that with you this morning. God can take you your misfits and your dysfunctionality and all the things that you may feel like you have, he can take your ordinary life and do something extraordinary out of it if you'll catch the call from God. God bless you this morning. Amen.